people say, well, you can't just do strength training. You need, you know, you need aerobic. I challenge anybody that's used a heavy weight on a squat and done three sets of six to tell me that there isn't, your heart isn't beating fast and you're not breathing hard. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to powerlifter, record holder, and Kabuki Strength CEO, Rudy Cadlub. Rudy has, admittedly, been stronger than average his whole life, but it wasn't until his 50s that he really began training in strength sports. Now in his early 70s, Rudy is a massive figure in strength sports for his accomplishments both on and off the powerlifting platform. We discuss his background, strength training for more mature athletes, co-founding Kabuki Strength, and much, much more. I do want to take a second to say we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barben podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to the show. Rudy, thanks so much for joining me. I'm, I'm very excited to chat with you. You're someone who uh, has been on our radar for a long time, and we absolutely love following what you're doing in strength, both as an athlete and on the business side, because you're wearing a bunch of different hats. But for folks who might not know, give us a little bit about your background, a little info about your background in strength, how you first got into um, strength training and strength competition. Uh, sure, Dave, and, and thanks for having me on. Happy to uh, uh, to share uh, anything you'd like to hear about. But uh, I, I guess it, it goes back. I mean, I was an active kid, you know, uh, like so many of us uh, uh, back then. The sports that we did out in the driveways uh, were maybe different. Uh, the, we didn't have uh, all the tech stuff going on. I mean, we we used hula hoops for uh, hip mobility and uh, and roller skates to get some. Uh, some some movement around the neighborhood uh and we played catch and baseball that was kind of a big deal um but in as as i got into high school uh you know, got into team sports i've always loved baseball but i i broke my foot on a little motorcycle accident um oh like the spring before uh or, or a couple months before spring uh, baseball started and of course i couldn't play that year and the next year i went out uh, for the baseball team the coach said well you didn't play last year so uh you can't you go out for track <laughs> i go okay so i didn't get to do that but i i played football in high school and then uh went on and 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 got strong enough and and played well enough that I was able to play in college at, at a pretty good level. And uh, I was at UC Davis and uh, as a senior was the captain of the football team. And, and so, uh, you know, that's probably the, in college is when I, I got interested in strength training to get better for the, the sport itself. Um, so my my introduction goes back, and it was it was kind of fun because back back in those days, uh, even strength training wasn't on the top of mind for for football coaches. We were doing it. I mean our our uh, our weight room was probably twice the size as my office here, 
and uh, and and we didn't really have a strength coach. And, and some of the position coaches would come in and and try to help out and and encourage you to lift. Uh, in the summer times, though, I had an opportunity. I lived in Southern California. Uh, of course, Davis is in Northern California, but I'd go home for the summers. And I signed up uh, to uh, for a commercial gym. It was a private gym. And it was owned by a guy by the name of Bill Pearl. Now, I don't know if you've been around long enough to know, but Bill was the uh, bodybuilder uh, before Arnold. I mean, he, he had, I think he's a seven-time Mr. Olympia and just a wonderful guy. And he sort of took me under his wing and, and taught me a little bit about strength training. I think it was between my sophomore and junior years in college. And I took off on that and, and got pretty strong. And I, I found that I got strong faster than the other kids did for some reason. And so maybe there was some sort of a genetic uh, opportunity there for me uh, that, uh, that I had. And, uh, so, but I didn't take up any, we didn't even have a powerlifting back then. That wasn't a, wasn't a sport at the time. I, I just did it to get stronger for football. And then my, my career after college, I was a college football coach for the first eight years and uh, was around the weight room then, but mostly helping out my student athletes and coaching them as opposed to, you know, really trying to make myself stronger. Uh, but, you know, for, became more familiar with sets and reps and that, that type of thing and, and progressive resistance training and, and, and showing people how to get stronger as they needed for the, for the sport. Um, when I left coaching, and that's a whole other story uh, for another podcast probably, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I went into the business world and you know, for 30 years, I was also then uh, raising a family of five kids. I had 14 grandkids now, but uh, uh, raising a family, building a career, building a, a, a business uh, in, in the real estate development world uh, was all consuming. And uh, even though I loved uh, training, there just never seemed to be enough time for me. There wasn't, wasn't enough me time. And so we, we uh, well, I, I, I would go in every January, you know, to the gym and uh, have the New Year's resolution. And that would work for uh, maybe a month, maybe six weeks. And then after six weeks, you start slacking, you get other social obligations, business, kids, driving kids around to, to baseball and little league games and football and et cetera. And there's just, there's just so little time. It's hard to consist. So I was, I probably did that routine for 30 years, you know, of six weeks of training in January and February, and then nothing the rest of the year. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, oh, I was in my early to mid fifties and I was uh, skiing. And that, that was one sport that we did do with the family, all of our kids uh, uh, skied and my wife and, so we, we, we spent a lot of weekends up skiing. So it was, you know, good stamina and, and leg uh, exercise. Uh, but I, I fell and hurt my shoulder in a mobile field. And, and uh, I, I got back and it was painful. And I kept thinking it would go away. And after a couple of weeks, it didn't. Uh, I went into my doctor and he examined it, took an x-ray. And he said, 
uh, you know, you're, you got a little bursitis, you're just getting old. And that did it. When he said, you're just getting old, it put me over the top. I, I said, F you, doc. You know, so he, he sent me to a physical therapist who uh, uh, happened to be housed in a small little gym, commercial gym in my hometown there in Oregon. And I, I got in the habit of going there twice a week for therapy. And then I'd go downstairs into the, to the gym and start lifting weights uh, uh, a couple of days a week and got in the habit of doing that. And, and by this time, most of the kids have left, had left the nest. I think we just had one at home. She was maybe a senior in high school. And um, so I started to find that it, it, was, it became more important for me. And after three or four months, my shoulders uh, was improving and I, by gosh, I was getting strong again. And as I said earlier, I, I always seem to get stronger faster than other people. And it, it just, I just started adding uh, strength and using progressive resistance. I didn't have a trainer. I was just doing what I would normally do. Um, and that was, of course, that was the, the injury happened in the late spring. And so the rehab uh, carried on through spring and summer. And by the end of that year, I, in fact, I was, I remember sitting around on New Year's Day and I had made progress and uh, uh, my, my numbers were going up. And I, I got on the internet and I said, I, I, I wonder if there's a, a record for the bench press in Oregon. And I started doing some search. And back then we didn't have, you know, the great search search engine. This is like 15 years ago or so, 16 years ago. And um, sure enough, I saw that there were, were records and, and it went by age and weight. And I immediately looked up my age and weight and I saw uh, what the bench press record was. And I thought, I could do that. I'm, you know, I, if I train a little bit harder, I could do that. Little did I know, I was just training raw, but little I did I know is those records that I was aiming for were all based on geared lifting. Guys were wearing bench shirts, when I, which I had never experienced or seen in this little commercial gym that I had been training in. So, uh, so anyway, I, 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 that next day I went in, I talked to one of the trainers at this gym and told him that I, uh, my, my New Year's resolution and my goal for the year was to set the Oregon bench press record. He said, well, if you're going to do that, you got to squat and deadlift. I go, I do? He goes, yeah, you can't set the record unless you do all this power lift. You got to do all three. I go, okay, well, let's get started. And uh, so that uh, that was January. I started training. I, I remember uh, trying to squat the first time. I couldn't get down to parallel without my you know heels coming four inches off the ground. And it was, I had such poor mobility. And he continued to work with me. Uh, and, and then I, and I, again, I was running my real estate development company. We had a project going on in California, Sacramento. And I knew I was going to be down there for a three or four day meeting. And I looked and I saw there was a powerlifting competition uh, in, in town on that Saturday in November. So this is 11 months after I started training. And I entered this contest and I, I walked in, Dave, to this, this competition on uh, Saturday morning. And I had, I had signed up the, a couple of days before. 
And I had never been to a powerlifting meet and here I was going to compete in one. And so when it came time, they, they announced, you know, the bar's loaded, Rudy Kadla, bar's loaded. And I start walking up and this other competitor pulls me back and he goes, what, what are you doing? I go, well, they call my name. I got to go. He goes, yeah, but you can't go up there with what you're wearing. You, I go, what's wrong with this? He goes, you can't wear gym shorts and a t-shirt. He said, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta have a singlet. So he turns around and digs into his bag and gets to the bottom of the bag and pulls up this crusty green singlet. And I, I don't know if it was green from mold or if it was actually the oh, real You, you almost don't want to know at that point. He goes, he goes, just throw this on and go. So I run up there. Anyway, I ended up setting uh, all four California state records for my Asian weight that day. And that, so that kind of got me excited and came home and, uh, you know, kept, continued to, uh, to train harder and went back in April, the same gym, different meet and broke all those records. And then I, now I really had the bug and, uh, shortly thereafter, uh, set all the Oregon records. And then a couple of years later, uh, set my first national record and, uh, met my now, uh, partner, Chris Duffin. I, I had actually, uh, because there were so few meets, I naively decided I was going to be a meet director. And I went to this little gym that I had been training at and asked the owner if I could uh, host a meet there. And he agreed. And uh, I was surprised at how many people showed up from California, Oregon, Washington, and um, British Columbia. And uh, uh, as it turned out, uh, Chris Duffin came to the the meet and uh, two or three other people who have been involved with us ever since. And uh, we we met, and then I I ran into Chris again at another meet over in West, uh, Eastern Washington uh, a few months later, and he said, "Hey, you want to train with me?" And uh, and I said, "Oh, okay." So I came back, and we made a date to go. And he was training out of his basement. Made a date to go over there, and I, I go over, and, and it wasn't the best neighborhood that he lived in at the time. And I I showed up and looked around is it safe to park my car out here i don't know (laughs) i go around the back of the house and enter the back door down this dungeon basement and there's chris is there chris chris uh you know he was he was pretty well uh you know he was pretty big at the time but there's another uh, guy that was training there uh with us will who uh was six two and probably a 300 pounder and I look at those two guys, and here I am. I'm 55 years old and just starting on my strength journey. And I go, and it's kind of a seedy neighborhood. And with two guys that, that are way bigger than me, and I don't know them. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this could be dangerous for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might not be getting out here with all my possessions. <laughs> you know, this could be bad. Well, it turned out they obviously were great guys. And and uh, we we started training. Chris really started helping me with, with uh uh, my techniques on, on deadlift and squat, and, uh, it, it just, that's where it started. And uh, pretty soon we had three or four other people uh, coming to train with us in the in the basement. It got to be uh, too many people for there. We moved out to the driveway and then eventually into Chris's garage. And then soon we had 15 to 18 people training with us. And we... Um, uh, just talked one day after a training session, you know, if all these people paid a little bit, we could maybe find a little hole in the wall, classy retail space and uh, have our own little culture and our own little gym, which is what we did. And that was uh, 
in uh, 2010, in uh, like June of 2010, when we opened up our, our, our little gym, at that time, we, we never really thought about being a company. It was just a hobby and creating a culture and having other people like-minded to, to help because we we're all, we we're all wearing gear back then. And when you're a gear lifter, you need a, you, you need a village. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, <laughs> you know, you're, not you just, you're, not, you're not, you're not getting yourself into the bench shirt. No, you really need a village to, uh, to help you get in and out of gear and to, uh, and, and for spotters and, you know, you're moving a lot of weight back then. Uh, so, uh, we, we went on for four or five years that way in training. And I, uh, then was, uh, setting my first world records in gear, uh, in, I think when I was in the 55 to 59 age group and then, uh, then 60 to 64 age group. And, uh, it was in 2016. So let's see, I was, I would have been in the 65 to 69 age group at that point. But what all during those first 10 years, uh, I was wearing out my shoulders. I'd had a, a shoulder injury in college football that it was sort of minor, but it, it flared up and, and using a straight bar, uh, to do squats and bench press, it really is a stressor on the glenohumeral joint. And eventually it wore my shoulder out. So I was bone on bone. And I, I, I didn't want to get a full replacement surgery because I, everyone I went to said, well, your weightlifting days will be over if you do that or your powerlifting days. And so I just waited and finally my orthopedic uh, surgeon here said, hey, there is a new procedure that's a lot less invasive. And here's this guy at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, Anthony Miniachi, that is successfully uh, uh, doing this uh, surgery with folks. And people are getting back to, um, you know, active sports, MMA and contact sports and, and uh, powerlifting. I said, well, let's hook me up. Let's do that. So in 2016, I took a year off and had my uh, uh, right shoulder uh, surgery in May and then had the left shoulder done in, in October and started a rehab program. I was back on the uh, platform setting records in the following May of the next year. And it's actually just continued to, to get better uh, here in, in, in between all that in 2015, we, because we had this little hobby gym, we were too cheap to buy equipment. So we, we made some things and Chris was pretty handy and had a metal shop in his garage. And we were, we always joked about a couple of things. We said, you know, this is kind of a cool little thing we came up with. Maybe we should sell it someday, but he had his uh, career and I had my career, you know, it was like, yeah, we don't want to do that. But finally in 2015, we introduced the shoulder rock to the world and, and put it on the internet and it just blew up in terms of sales. Uh, and, and we, we designed the whiskey and deadlift t-shirt and those two items were how we started Kabuki strength. And, uh, within two or three months, we had enough going on there that, uh, Chris could quit his day job. And I said, I'll, I'll underwrite it and, you know, let's go for it. And, and so we did. And then in, in August of 2015, we came out with the double O bar and we were rolling at that point. 
And I wish we had had that Duffalo bar and the Transformer bar and others, you know, five years earlier. And I wouldn't have had, I'd have my original shoulder still probably. I was going to ask, I was going to say, I was like, oh, this is the point at which he said, this is the point at which he brings up the Duffalo bar, but it sounds like that was after you'd already undergone those two procedures. It was, yeah. Well, I wish we'd had it before, but uh, yeah, so I came back, but they were very important to me in my, in my rehab. And, uh, and like I said, I, when I came back, uh, it, it was, it was an interesting transition because my last competition before surgery was geared competition. And when I came back a year or so later, I said, I, you know, it's too much to get into that gear and it's maybe too big of a load. So I started uh, just, just training raw again. And coincidentally, the sport started changing about the same time back from, from gear back to, to raw. And so it's worked out and I've been uh, competing in what they call classic raw since, since I came back. Uh, and interestingly enough, with with the education, the coaching that we have here at Kabuki, and and uh, and the tools that we have, I was able to uh, get back on top and and uh, set world records. In fact, my last uh, last competition, the nationals, uh, I guess it's still on. Yeah, it was in July, so last month still. Uh, I had a all time PR on the bench press. <laughs> In raw PR, so so I, I, I still keep adding uh, to my my numbers, even as uh, I add years to uh, my chronological age. Well, I got to ask a question, uh, and there's there's a lot to unpack there. But my first question, and some would say it's about the best product. That was only one question, and that was the I, so you you may not get three questions in this whole podcast, and that's okay because it's all it's all interesting. I mean, that was one of the most that was like a. That was more polished than some TED Talks I've heard, especially in the strength world. I'll put it that way. I want to ask about the best product Kabuki has ever released. It's the Whiskey and Deadlifts t-shirt. I got to... Some, some, some would say it's what really changed the strength world. Where did that Where did that come about? And I have to say, too, I've also been inspired by... You all often do... I think it's your birthday deadlift post that you'll put out on social. And there's always a bottle of whiskey in yeah. the foreground somewhere. So <laughs> what, what inspired that? Was it a shared love with, uh, with Chris? Well, uh, yeah, Chris and I both like brown water and, uh, uh, you know, we, we love tasting different, uh, whiskeys and, and such, but uh, Chris, Chris wrote a, we'll have to dig that up again and maybe repost that, but it, it was, it was sort of a tongue in cheek article. He wrote uh, about whiskey, uh, taking a shot of whiskey before your third deadlift attempt in a, in a powerlifting competition, because it is, it, it can, it gets into your system within minutes. Right, and it's an it's an energy boost. That initial piece is energy boost. Plus, it 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 covers up your fears as well. He he jokingly talks about taking a shot of whiskey before you walk across the dance floor to ask the gal to dance. You know, give yourself courage. Well, it's similar. You know, on the on the deadlift, here's the issue: heaviest lift of the day. You know, take that shot of whiskey. Forget about the you know the fear and just go out and do it. And you get that little boost of energy. Uh, and, you know, there was always the disclaimers about, you know, don't do this at home or, you know, we're not advocating that you get shit faced at every, uh, you know, uh, training session. But it, it, we had a guy that was a tattoo artist that uh, was renting space from us. And he came up with the idea of, of creating this, uh, this logo for whiskey and, and deadlifts. And, uh, it was about the same time that we released the shoulder rock 
And we said, this would be a cool, cool t-shirt. So we had somebody make the t-shirts. We put that on our new website with selling shoulder rocks and that t-shirt. And I, I remember that was the, the first thing Chris and I were doing, just the two of us. We spent uh, uh, probably an hour before every training session folding and stuffing t-shirts in the envelopes and licking envelopes and pasting address labels on, on those things. But, uh, and, and it's, it's, it's iconic. Now, uh, we actually had a producer and I, I remember the name of the film, but a producer that asked if he could use and wear the, uh, whiskey deadlifts shirt on, on one of his characters in the movie. So yeah, it's, it's been kind of a cool little thing. We've come out with some other fun stuff though, too, in the meantime. Well, I've, I've, I, you know, I was a little tongue in cheek. I say that was the most impactful product you all have had, but you know, I'm, I'm from Kentucky originally. So when I see some, some bottles, I, I recognize, uh, in the foreground of deadlifts, I absolutely had to bring it up. Well, I'm curious, what do you think is next for Kabuki? Because you all have, uh, it, you've come a long way since the shoulder rock and the whiskey and deadlift t-shirt, the Duffalo bar, obviously impactful, something you see in, I've seen it in, in not even powerlifting gyms. I've seen it in commercial gyms across a few different states. You all have a lot of other different products, uh, do a lot of continuing education for folks who want to learn about strength. What do you think is, is next in the evolution of Kabuki? Because in, in just six short years, it's become quite a force. Well, uh, thank you for, for that. I mean, our, the why, our why, the the reason we're in business and the reason why Chris is no longer uh, working in, in, in the engineering world and why I've wound down my real estate development uh, uh, efforts and focused on Kabuki is because we see an avenue and opportunity to make the world a better place through strength. That's our, that's our why. And we believe strength training can can change uh, people's lives. We believe it, it can happen at an early age. We think it's even more important uh, for people to train as they get more mature. Uh, uh, we, we believe strength training more than anything one can do can uh, help one age gracefully. Uh, we think, I don't know about longevity, uh, but we do think that you can look better, feel better, uh, deal with uh, the, the daily uh, grinds of life and stress uh, if you are more robust and uh, more resilient uh, as a result of strength training. So our world, is, our, our, our whole thing is get out there and really uh, improve the world's strength. And, and that's a broad statement. And, you know, so where, where do we go? What's the evolution? Well, part of it is creating uh, tools, physical tools to make it more comfortable and more biomechanically sound uh, tools that put the joints in a more centrated position, a safer position, uh, so you don't break down, you don't wear down. And, and literally, David, unless you're a barbell athlete, there's no reason to use a straight bar for uh, most barbell movements uh, because it really does put uh, undue stress in, in, the, in the joints. That extreme external uh, uh, contraction to get your hands behind your back on a heavy, uh, uh, you know, with heavy weight on a barbell behind your back, uh, it puts a lot of pressure on the bicep tendon uh, and, and on the glenohumeral joint. And on bench pressing too, that's using that straight bar, you tend to wing out 
and internally rotate and jam that that joint. And you get so many uh, young kids, and it happens at an early age without coaching. Uh, you always see uh, young kids benching with their elbows flared out to the side. That's from that internal, and they're just destroying their shoulders. The duffalo bar, just the reach on the duffalo bar drops those shoulders down into a better position. And like from the, like the duffalo bar, we came up with the Cadillac bar, which is even more of a neutral grip position. And the bend in the bar uh, gives you a greater training effect as you come down deeper than you could on a, on a, a straight bar. So right now, I mean, I, I train year round with the duffalo bar, the transformer bar, which is the best squat bar in the world, um, and the Cadillac bar or the duffalo bar for, for benching. And I only switch to a straight bar two or three weeks before a competition to reacclimate and, and preserve my shoulders. So um, those are incredibly important tools and then the basis for um, uh, how we will grow the company. We have, uh, uh, we have a big presence in professional sports. And part of the reason for that is because um, professional sports teams and, and collegiate teams have professional strength coaches. They're, you know, they're CSCCA, uh, uh, CSCS uh, guys. They get it. They, un they understand it. It takes us five minutes to demonstrate the benefits of those tools to those guys. And they're immediately on board. Now, going uh, other places. So we're kind of starting at the top down. I mean, the world champion LA Dodgers are, you know, one of our biggest customers, as are the Giants too. Uh, I would love to <laughs> but 29 of the 30 major league baseball teams uh, are, including the Mets and Yankees, uh, by the way, for you New Yorkers, are, are uh, utilize our equipment. And <clears throat> as is several hundred colleges and university, NFL, NHL, NBA. Um, but that's just a segment, that's team sports. You know, we, we're not there with the masses yet to try to educate every gym owner who maybe doesn't have a background in kinesiology or biomechanics and really understands it. You know, they, they you, you go in most commercial gyms, you, you don't see any specialty bars. Rarely do you see a specialty bar. And it's, it's in that population that really ought to be using them because they, our, our equipment forces people into uh, better technique and less stress on the shoulders. So yes, our, our next push is into trying to get into commercial gyms. We are fairly heavily into military police and fire now because they, they also get it and need it. Uh, we're, I personally am trying to develop a platform to encourage uh, mature athletes to, uh, to begin the strength training program. And in fact, had a meeting with a, um, a person with the Cleveland Clinic and I'm trying to set up a meeting back there uh, next month to visit with them about doing research in the, the, the benefits of strength training uh, for a mature population. And most people, um, while we're, uh, I'm on that uh, uh, tangent on, on mature athletes, most people recognize that strength training will uh, improve muscle mass and, and strength. That's why 99% of people do it. But there's some major other benefits. Uh, one is bone density. And I, it just, 
occurred to me. I, I, I kind of knew it, but I didn't really think about it until uh, both Chris and I had a body scan done about a year ago this time, uh, measure um, lean body mass, you know, uh, muscle, fat, and, and bone density. And the scale uh, a measurement for bone density for, for this particular company showed people 60 and, and over uh, 2.5Z is two standard deviations from the mean. So in other words, better than 95% of the population. If you have a 2.5 score, you're better than 95%. My score was 5.5, which is like, like five standard. I don't even know you go that far. There might only be three or four people in the world that have that are my age that have that kind of bone density. And I wasn't born with that. I can guarantee it. it's it's occurred over the last 15 years of, of strength training. And why that's so important for an aging population is uh, it's wards off uh, uh, osteoporosis. It it reduces the risk of injury in a fall or a collision. How many times have you heard someone, uh, an older person, fall, break their hip, and they're done? They end up in a walker or they end up bedridden and they die from pneumonia or something else. It's just, it, and there's no reason for it. There, the, uh, I, I would argue that strength training and, and people say, well, you can't just do strength training. You need, you know, you need aerobic. I challenge anybody that's used a heavy weight on a squat and done three sets of six to tell me that there isn't, your heart isn't beating fast. You're not breathing hard. So it doesn't replay. If you're, if you're trained to be a marathon, squatting is, it, it will help, but that doesn't get you there. But overall, uh, for the daily things that, that people do, you know, picking up their grandkids or picking up a, a, a bag of fertilizer to spread around your yard, you know, strength training will make those, those jobs easier and reduce the risk of injury and, uh, and, and reduce the injury in a fall. So I can go on forever on that, but it gets me, it gets me excited. It's kind of what I'm passionate about right now is trying to teach people that are my age young or younger than me, um, uh, that you can age gracefully by adding strength training to your weekly routine. Well, Rudy, as that and more develops and, and as you follow up and I know you're someone who likes, uh, uh, following through on on passions, that's for sure. Um, where's the best place for people to follow along with the work you're doing and the work Kabuki's doing? Well, we, uh, we uh, IG, I guess, is the is the best. It's, I'm just it's Rudy Kadlub, K A D L U B is my Instagram. I, I don't have any fancy, cool, you know, moniker on moniker on uh, on Instagram, uh, but it's just Rudy Kadlub. Uh, we have our Kabuki Strength uh, uh, Instagram, uh, Kabuki Strength Coaching and Education. Uh, yeah, you can just uh, just follow me on on Instagram. You can see the hashtags and follow the rest of uh, our our links to that. But yeah, it's it's the company's growing. We have a, a huge huge dream out there to make the world a better place through strength and. And uh, that's where we're going. I can't. Uh, I can't tell you what the next products are. We may not have even thought what they'll be. Yet. <laughs> well, we're not fortune tellers here, and we appreciate you sharing, Rudy. Thanks so much for joining us. Fantastic to learn about your journey, and uh, and really, what's what's next and your and your goals moving forward. Appreciate you taking the time. All right, Dave. Thanks. Always enjoy talking to you.